The Demogorgon's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm in the middle of a meal right now. This is so rude of you. How rude? Have you ever heard of a knocking? Don't watch me eat. Who do you think you are? Who does she think she is? Hello and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. The household object that I would use as a weapon would be a fire extinguisher? Interesting. Because you can hit someone from far away. Yeah. And you don't have to really get in the muck. And it's really more of a distraction technique than anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or are you saying you would just swing it? Like, would you use the fire extinguisher as an extinguisher? That and also throw it? Mm-mm. Okay, so many good options yeah. here. Yeah. Okay, I love it. My, and my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And uh, for our fun fact, um, the household object I would use as a weapon would be a hammer. Yeah. Because you've got the precise end mm-hmm. and the blunt end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do kind of wish that it was longer, though. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, like instead of Nancy's baseball bat, yeah. I'm going to go for, yeah. A baseball bat is a very good choice. Yeah. If we were people who kept baseball bats around, it would work. Yeah. Yeah. Today, we have words to say about episode 105 of Stranger Things, The Flea and the Acrobat. And by the way, this episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of seasons one and two of Stranger Things. So if you haven't seen those, probably best to do that first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so the title, The Flea and the Acrobat, is obviously part of the episode um, but it's also, like, a really popular way of, like, explaining different dimensions and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what that is. Nothing like explaining a parallel universe in that manner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we might as well just, uh... Let's just jump into it. Hop right into it. Oh, that's good. Sorry. Good. Um, so we're gonna talk about team adults first. Oh my god, I love those. I have, like, a Hopper section and a Joyce section, so I think we're going to start with Joyce. Okay. So that we can complain about Lonnie! Because, oh boy, do we have terrible things to say about Lonnie. Yeah, I don't have a single nice thing to say about yeah. Lonnie. Okay, here we go. So this is my um, summary for Joyce. Okay. The Joyce storyline. Lonnie tries to convince Joyce that she's crazy, just like everyone else is. She feels like Will's energy is gone. Jonathan comes home and tells Joyce that he believes her. In flashbacks, Joyce recalls Will's drawing and creativity. After the funeral, Lonnie starts taking down Joyce's lights and brings up the fact that they should sue the quarry. Joyce confronts him about only wanting the money and forces him to leave. Like, how do you even sue a quarry? It's like the town owns it. But, like, that's nuts. Yeah. It's it's a natural thing. Mm -hmm. Lonnie's brain is a puzzle to me. You thought that at the very beginning of this episode that Lonnie was trying to get Joyce drunk? I thought so, yeah. Yeah. It just seemed like he was trying a number of different ways to calm her, but, like, I think drinking maybe, like, is his gateway to getting her to do what he wants. Right. And, boy, wouldn't she be amenable to signing papers Mm. if she was drunk. Right. That's true. She says that she can't feel Will's energy anymore. I wonder why. Is it just because he ran away so far? Like, is this at the point where he starts getting taken up and then, like, when they go in there, then they pull out that snake out of his mouth or whatever? Like, I wonder if this is the beginning of that where he's, like, been captured but hasn't been eaten. Yeah, it could be that he's just nowhere near the house. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I don't know why she wouldn't feel his energy anymore, though. Yeah. Or maybe it's that she doesn't think she can because she's starting to doubt that she was right at, at all. Right. You know? Yeah. Oh, Lonnie says, our little boy. He's our boy when there's money to be had, but when he actually died, where were you? As if. Like, what What? what have you been doing, even? Like, when do, when do you think that Lonnie left them? My thought is, like, maybe, like, two years ago? Yeah, I think when, yeah, when Will was smaller. 
Yeah. Um, but obviously he still has memories of hanging out with Lonnie, so it can't have been, like, super far in the past, you know? Well, in those flashbacks, they were fighting. Yeah. Um, and they weren't that much younger. Yeah, no. So it had to have been two years, like, max. Yeah, yeah. Two, one to two years, yeah. I think. Enough, like, yeah, old enough that they both had memories of it, but long enough that, you know, Jonathan just hates the guy. Especially because a few episodes ago when Jonathan went to Lonnie's house, he was like, hey, you look good. You know, it's like if it had just been very recent, then he'd be like, you look the same. Yeah, I'd say he probably hasn't seen Jonathan for like a year. Yeah. Okay. He has so much in common with my dad. (laughs) I think that's why I hate Lonnie so much. Like, my dad wasn't like, like deadbeat like Lonnie in terms of like, you know, hooking up with like a girlfriend and living in a trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, But everything else, they just have so much in common. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Except I don't. Some men just weren't meant to be fathers. Mm. Lonnie was not. Did Lonnie break up with Cynthia or is he just like, BRB, gotta go get money? Second one. I think so too. I think Cynthia was like, where are you going? And he was like, "Uh, there's money to be had. And she was like, great, come home soon, sweetie. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like he probably pissed her off by leaving, but for sure she was like, okay, sweet, we get money. Yeah, can't wait. Does Joyce wonder where Jonathan is? Like, he comes home afterwards, but this is, like, in the middle of the night, right? I don't I don't think Joyce has any concept of thinking about anything except for Will right now. Yeah. I don't think she notices what Jonathan's up to. Because how else would he get away with all of this stuff? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's like there's two ways that she could go about it. She could either go about it by being like, I have to find Will, I have to find Will, I have to find Will. Or she could be like, protect my yeah. other child as much as possible. And I think she does the first one. Yeah, because I think if she hadn't started, like, hearing from Will... She probably would have gone more into keep a tightrope on Jonathan. But since she did, not only is she hearing from her child, but she also thinks she's going a little bit crazy. Now her ex-husband's back. Jonathan is like, what he's up to, she just has to trust that he's going to be safe. Jonathan is also really independent. Yeah. He can take care of himself. He can drive. He has his own job, you know? I mean, by necessity, he became that. And, like, he was sort of Will's caretaker, too. Also, I think that the last time they talked, they were fighting anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they found the body when, and then they hugged in the street. And then they had that big fight about how they needed to figure out the funeral. Yeah, in the street as well. Yeah. yeah so the last time that they, that they talked, they were fighting. Yeah. So it makes sense. It makes sense. Jonathan wants to talk to Joyce without Lonnie there because obviously he's like, you are manipulating my mom. Can I please speak to my mom by herself? Especially because he's about to be like, mom, you were right. Yep. So. The heartbreaking thing about like situations like that is that the kids always know before the parents. I don't think Jonathan's even, Jonathan doesn't even tell her in this episode because he doesn't get the chance to, right? Because Lonnie's- No, Hop does, but Jonathan doesn't. Yeah, but <gasps> and, and, and Hop and Jonathan have two completely different sets of information. Yeah. Like- she, yes, she was right about it not being Will's body. And she knows that now. Yeah. But she doesn't know, yes, you know, the, the monster thing is true. Yeah, it's not like, um, yes, the supernatural part is, like, happening. It's, yeah, someone staged your kid's death and we don't know why. Yeah. Yikes. Lonnie doesn't care about Joyce at all. No. He just does not care. You use the word opportunist. Which I think he absolutely is. Mm-hmm. Like, his son died. Like, his son died. He didn't show up until a couple days later. Yeah. And I'm betting it's only because he started thinking about insurance. Yeah. Or he got that insurance packet. Or he saw something on TV about it and he was like, oh, here's an opportunity. I think if there was no money involved, he never would have showed up to the funeral. Why doesn't he have any emotional stakes in this at all? Like, that is his kid. Unless the Will is Hopper's 
theory is true, but we have no reason to think that no. in canon. And there's no so, reason for, to think that Lonnie knows that. Yeah. I think Lonnie's just a bad dude. Like, some some dudes, like, can emotionally detach from things because they have more, like, and by some dudes, I mean some people, can just emotionally detach because they have a bigger goal in mind. And for him, like, his number one goal is profit. That's your kid, though. Yeah. Like, what's up, Lonnie? Like, I hate to say it, but, like, if I died, I don't think my dad would care. Mm. I don't think he would even know. So, like, some, especially, like, the whole deadbeat dad, like, trope, a a lot about Lonnie makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think, there are some parents that just completely detached. I mean, think about when we were watching Shazam. Mm. And his mom was like, oh, yeah, I just, like, don't have time for you. I just let you go into the system. Some people just would rather avoid the responsibility of being a parent. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so in the... Okay, so this part I thought was really cool because I don't think I've gone back to watch season... No, that's not true. I was going to say that I don't think that I have gone back to watch season one since I watched season two. That's not true. I've definitely gone back and done a rewatch. But this is the first time I've noticed this really cool connection to season two. Okay. In the flashback... Joyce is like, oh, what are you drawing? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, well, I don't have a red crayon, so I'm using this green crayon, even though it's fireballs. First of all, cast fireball, cast fireball, cast protection, cast protection. Oh, right, right, right. First of all, that. Second of all, then she says, like, well, I'm going to buy you new crayons because what kind of mom am I if I don't buy you new crayons, right? Yeah. There's the scene in that, I think it's 208, Mm -hmm. where they're, like, talking to, like, possessed Will and each of them are, like, taking a turn, like, telling him a nice story, trying to get him back or whatever. Yeah. And Joyce's is about crayons. Oh! Um, let me find it here. I was thinking more about the color symbolism of the crayons because the, uh, because of the Christmas lights, red and green. Oh, yeah. Do you know what March 22nd is? It's your birthday. When you turned eight, I gave you that huge box of crayons. Do you remember that? It was 120 colors. And all your friends, they got you Star Wars toys, but all you wanted to do is draw with all your new colors. And you drew this big spaceship, but it wasn't from a movie. It was your spaceship. A rainbow ship is what you called it. And you must have used every color in the box. I took that with me to Melvald's and I put it up and I told everyone who came in, my son drew this and you were so embarrassed, but I was so proud. Oh. So I was like, crayons. Also more and more um, evidence for LGBT will. Yeah. A rainbow ship. A rainbow ship. Yeah. So Lonnie has a flyer for the lawyers. So were you saying before that you thought that that was sent to him? I think it was sent to him or he saw an advertisement on TV slash saw something in a grocery store and was like, hey. Yoink rips it down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it could have even been that like an opportunistic lawyer like called him up Mm -hmm. and was like, uh, hey, by the way, you can get money out of this tragedy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wants to be able to pay for Jonathan to go to school, but that's just what he's telling Joyce. Oh, yeah, like, he would give Jonathan money for school. No, there's no way. Uh Uh-uh. He's like, yeah, you know what? If we can take anything from this terrible literal death that has happened, let's send Jonathan to school. If I was Jonathan, I mean, obviously, I'm not Jonathan because I'm, like, a major Slytherin. I'd be like, yes, I'll take all the money. But, like, if I was Jonathan, I I don't feel like Jonathan, I feel like Jonathan wouldn't be like, would be like, I don't want that money. I think Jonathan would think it was blood money. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be like, I want to make my own money and not have my money just be because, like, I I would trade the money that I would get to go to school for my brother back. Yeah. I think about that all the time. Like, yeah. especially when people talk about, like, what people are going to get in wills. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, I would rather have the person than the stuff. Yeah. And it's like, it's the same thing. I think Jonathan, for as many issues as I have with him, isn't that type of person. He's pretty selfless, actually. I would agree. Yeah. But Lonnie doesn't even know where Jonathan wants to go to school. Um, And she says that Jonathan has said that he wanted to go to NYU for, since he was six years old. That's so cute. And if we think that Lonnie only left like a year ago. He should have known that. Yeah. 
it's like that means it's been like 10 years that Jonathan's been talking about going to NYU mm-hmm. that Lonnie either just didn't pay attention to or didn't remember he didn't care. care about he, he didn't pay attention because he didn't care yeah also that's so sweet because when i was younger i wanted to go to nyu too i thought it was the mm-hmm. most like fantastic like fabulous place you could go yeah did francis go to nyu she did she's that's fancy our friend. <laughs> our friend is fancy um and then basically she just joyce does this whole oh it's so good she like does this whole monologue where she's like yelling at lonnie oh. saying that i don't need you i've never like i haven't needed you this whole time and he's like well look what happened all this terrible stuff it ha- has happened it's like it's so good, though. Where is Winona Ryder's uh, Emmy? Where is it? Mm-hmm. She should have awards for this. Like, the emotional upheaval that she has to keep Joyce in mm-hmm. for the whole season. She, like, the highs, the lows, like, the extremes of emotion. Mm-hmm. And, like, did she, was she even nominated? Um, I think the show won an Emmy because where else would we get that wonderful gift from? Right. It doesn't say awards. Just search... Uh, Control F for Emmy. Nothing. You're kidding. Not on her Wikipedia page. Let me Google Winona Ryder Emmy. You're just gonna get memes. Emmy snub. Okay. Continues her bad luck. Yeah. While Stranger Things received 18 Emmy nominations, one name that was surprisingly absent from the list was that of Winona Ryder. Thank you. List of awards and nominations received by Winona Ryder. No Emmys. There's a whole lot of them here, but no Emmys. I can't believe she doesn't have... She deserves it! She was nominated for a Golden Globe for Stranger Things. Okay, good. Okay. She was... Listen, controversial opinion, but the Golden Globes are superior to the Emmys in every single way. Nominated for Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Drama Series from the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Oh, oh okay, so okay, okay. Taste. We love taste. Uh, there's another one that she was Best TV Supporting Actress. I don't even know what that is, though. Satellite Awards, she was nominated. And the Saturn Awards, she was nominated. So just, like, randoms. But then also the Golden Globes and the SAGs. Saturn Awards are, like, pretty impressive, because those are, like, the sci-fi awards. Yeah. So. She's got some, but she deserves an Emmy. She does. That's all I had for that storyline. Okay. Do you have any other Joyce thoughts? I have a couple about Hopper telling her. Yeah, I have more, like, there about, like, her validation and stuff. So Hopper. Hopper breaks into the lab. He knocks out some dudes and gets to the biohazard area, which he apparently doesn't care about. They catch him inside. He wakes up in his own trailer and checks it out for bugs, and he finds one. Callahan and Powell come to get him because he didn't come into work. Barb's car was found at the bus station by the government guys. As if. As if. As if. (laughs) Hopper calls Diane, his ex-wife, and tells her that he doesn't regret his life with her. He hears a baby on the other side of the phone and hangs up. He goes to Joyce's house to search for bugs and tells her about the fake body. So Hopper, like, hides in this room that's kind of off to the side. And it, it, is that the same room? I know we probably won't be able to answer this, but it looked like the same room that Bob hid in when he was, like, I think that's running around the, the place. Like, it looked like the same hallway. But, I mean, I assume that a lot of the hallways look the same. So I don't know. Anyway. Um, doesn't respect the biohazard. Does he have no sense of self-preservation? Like, he literally looks at it and is just like, mm, Okay. Okay, well... He's literally like, uh, that seems like a someone else problem. He's like, well, let's go. I smoke, so it's coming for me at any point. That's a good point. Yeah. And I mean, given the fact that he smokes, by now we already know that, like, I guess in the in the 80s at least, people started to know that smoking was friggin' bad for you. Mm. I think Hopper doesn't have a death wish, but I think he doesn't have a lot of regard for his own personal safety. Yeah. And he's very gold-driven. Yeah. So that makes him kind of reckless, but it also makes him a pretty damn good cop. Seriously. Yeah. Like, not a great cop for, like, New York, somewhere that has, like, really strict rules strict protocol Mm -hmm. but for a small town cop that really needs to like get stuff done ideal yeah 
And like something like this, I think is interesting about Hopper is that actually this whole mystery kind of rejuvenates him Mm -hmm. because you can tell early in the show that he's very lethargic, doesn't really give a shit about anything. Like, you know, he's, you know, he shows up late to work. He talks about coffee. Like it's his religion. Like he doesn't really, he doesn't even really believe Joyce when she comes in and says, Hey, my kid is missing. Yeah. You know, but by the time you get to this episode, like Hopper has a purpose Mm -hmm. and as odd as like the whole situation is like, this is kind of the ideal thing to happen to his character because it kind of brought him back from the brink of complete depression. Yeah. I agree. How did Hopper get all of these crazy spy moves? Yo, right? Well, he did train as a New York cop, right? Yeah, but, well, New York. Do we know it was New York? I just assumed it was New York. Oh, big city. Indiana. What's Indiana close to? Chicago, maybe? I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know anything about American geography. The only thing I know about Indiana is that Catherine Janeway is from Indiana. Indianapolis? No, that's not the same place. Indianapolis, Indiana. No, I know, but I don't think that's the city that they were in. No, I know. Maybe it was. It could have been. Chicago Chicago is, like, right here for Indiana. I think I think the big city is Chicago. Chicago cop? Oh, my God. I if think he's it's a Chicago. Chicago cop, all of this makes sense. Okay, I think it's Chicago. I think Chicago, that's the- Chicago, Illinois is like a shiny toy. Oh, I'm not going to keep going because I'm afraid you're going to keep that in the pod. Oh, okay. But either way, those are some crazy spy moves. Yeah, especially when he just, like, straight up cold cocks that guy and knocks him the f*** out. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. <laughs> Eleven is not as good at drawing as Will is. Hop wouldn't know that, though, right? Wow, of drag her. It's true. <laughs> But, like, we, we see in this very episode how talented Will is at drawing. And, of course, Hopper is just like, I know this kid likes to draw. That's yeah. all, right? So he sees, like, these things in Eleven's room. And he's like, And yeah. he's like, Will's here. This is it. This is where he is. Yeah. When it's not really the same kid at all. Yeah, you think you'd be able to recognize different artistic talents. They express themselves yeah. very differently. Very differently. There were no wizards shooting things in there. Yeah. Hello? You gotta look at Fireball? the subject matter. Flying cabbages? No spaceships. Mm-hmm. Not even a single Wookiee. Yeah. Hopper knows that they'll be watching him. So, like, the fact that he found, like, the actual bug. Of course, it was, like, in the most obvious place, though. I was like, you ripped apart your trailer just to find that it was in the main light fixture. <laughs> Yeah. Buddy. Oh my god, okay, so another fun fact thing that we could have done that we didn't, though. If you were gonna bug a place, where would you put it? I mean, the obvious place is, like, light fixtures, under the desk, Mm -hmm. places like that. It's just audio bugging? Yeah, just audio, not video. Because we have to work within- work within the audio confines, but you can make it modern day hiding. Okay. Yeah. Do you have an answer? I was thinking somewhere there where you don't usually, like- move stuff but is crucial to where you would be Mm -hmm. so like underneath a phone charger right or like you know like especially if it's a wireless charging pad you just stick it right underneath the wireless charging pad you never hear it i was thinking even like underneath like the phone receiver if we are going like if we are back in time in the 80s not not underneath the phone receiver as in like you pick up the phone and you're like what's that but like underneath the actual like phone oh man if we're doing that inside a chunky remote like a chunky TV remote because yeah. those things were huge. Mm-hmm. You could hide something in there so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But they'd be moving that one a lot. Yeah, but you're always going where the remote is. That's true. And the remote's always in the most central location of the home, which is the living room. Mm. Wait, kitchen. Oh my god, the backstand. Nope. I'm out here thinking we're only bugging an office. I didn't know we were bugging like Okay, a well whole if we're house. bugging an office. If we're bugging an office, what doesn't move in an office? Like your computer desktop? Oh my god. Or a decorative or your um, monitor? A decorative globe. Mm. Mm. Decorative snow globe. But then you have to pick it up to use it. Never mind. Yeah. Hop started using Mirkwood as a street name. (laughs) 
I love that so much. I never, I didn't even pick up on that. The kids were like, Mirkwood, Mirkwood. And he's like, what's that? And he's, they're like, oh yeah, we like literally made up this name for the street. And now he started using it. You know what? We should look and see if anyone bothered to put up a sign in like season two. Oh my God. Yeah. It's called Mirkwood. We should do it. Let's look, look, we'll look for that. But I think that really signals him becoming, not not that he wasn't before, but like becoming like really part of this. Yeah. He drank his Kool-Aid. Yeah. I can't remember who it was that said this. I feel like it was Callahan said he's been spending too much time with Joyce Byers. Keep it up. Yeah. Keep it up. Anything, spend more time with Joyce Mm -hmm. Byers. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going to condone that right now. In fact, go ahead and just head over to Joyce Byers' house real quick right now. Yeah. If you want, just marry Joyce Byers. I don't know. Whatever. Just throwing ideas out there. Up to you. Up to you. Okay. So he calls Diane. His ex-wife. Oh, this was painful. The hair elastic. The hair elastic is very important. Like, the the blue hair elastic, he always has it, like, around his wrist. And, of course, it was, like, a whole thing Yeah. Um, with Eleven at the Snowball, where she has the hair elastic now, and it's, like, a whole thing. It's very cute. He found his purpose. So, anyway, the hair elastic, mm-hmm. it's here. Okay, so Diana's like, hello, are you drunk? And he's like, no, I'm not drunk. And then later, he, he's like, actually, yes, I am, bye. I thought that was an excuse. Why did he call Diane if he isn't drunk? I think because he was looking for an emotional connection from someone that he used to be able to rely on. Yeah. And it, like all of this is bringing up some trauma for him and she was the only other person who went through it. I wonder if he was, he had started to regret some of the things that he had done or said. And after being so involved in the government, which is clearly willing to do some pretty scary things. Um, I wonder if he was like, there is something I still have yet to say and I don't want something to happen to me and have yeah. me not have said it. Yeah. It kind of like tying up those loose ends of his past mm-hmm. so that he can either- go into the future without um, worrying about staying alive. Exactly. Exactly. I was just going to say, like, it's kind of like cleaning up just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Diane has a new family, though, or at least a new baby. I know that a lot of people would think that, like, she's a villain for this, but I don't. Mm-mm. I think that- They're she- separated. Yeah. she And she probably did what was, was, like, healthiest for her, which was to move on and try and live her life. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sarah was her only child Yeah, at that time. Like, And then after she breaks up with Hopper, it's, like, heartbreaking to think that, like, she probably was like, I had the American dream. I had exactly yeah. what I wanted. And now I'm literally starting over. Yeah. So, honestly, I'm happy for her that she was able to to do it again. I mean, what was she supposed to do? Suffer her whole life? Look at what that's doing to Hopper. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Who was calling after? So, he... he do, could just be her trying to call him back because he hung up on her. But he puts down the phone after he's done and starts walking away. And then the phone rings again. And then he picks it up and hangs up because he doesn't want to talk to anybody. It definitely her calling back. You think it was just yeah. her calling back? Okay. So he goes to help Joyce. Um, what do you think it's like to be validated like that for Joyce? Um, it probably feels like having a huge weight lifted off your chest. Mm-hmm. And like the sheer elation that Joyce must feel to literally think, I'm not crazy. Yeah. Like, because that's a burden she's been carrying through, the, what, the last couple episodes, at least like ever since Holly Jolly. Mm-hmm. There's always like the thing in the back of her mind is, I'm not crazy, but God, what if I'm crazy? Yeah. And then Hopper is like there and he's like, if you're crazy, I'm crazy too. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's amazing. And that's such a great trope for bonding people together. Yes. Like, I love that. Especially like when they bring Jonathan in, because one of the best, best strengths of Stranger Things is how they start to weave all of the characters together. When all of them are like joined forward, joined forces and- that's the best part about yeah. the end of, of every season is yeah. when they're all together. Exactly. I want I want like a whole season of that. Like for you know example, I mean? in the tra- in the new season three trailer where they're all like, you have that one where you're they're pushing forward and they're all like in the mall, like looking off yes. yonder, and like some of them are on the ground and some of them are 
So good. It's like, yes, those are all my favorite people. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. That's all I had for that one. Yeah. Cool. So in between this next storyline, I'm going to go through some of the cool fun facts that I found from the Stranger Things wiki and IMDb. Cool. Um, the scene in which Jonathan and Nancy are about to kill the deer out of mercy resembles a similar scene in the video game Until Dawn. In the scene, Jessica and Mike find a deer and try and give it a mercy kill before the deer is dragged away from them by a monster. Oh, wow. Okay. So literally. So direct homage. Mm -hmm. This is the first episode in which Eleven, Mike, Dustin, and Lucas refer to this alternate dimension as the upside down. Okay. 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 Uh, we get the first in-depth look at the neighborhood houses in this episode, conspicuously missing TV antennas. In, the ni- in 1983, most every house would have had a rooftop antenna or an aerial tower. Cable television was just making its inroads into suburbia and small town America at the time. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. They even did it in Doctor Who. Mm. When Dustin realizes the compasses are leading them back towards home and Lucas grills him for it, he asks, why is this all on me? This turn of phrase is much too modern for the 1980s. He should have said, why is this my fault? This is just, a lot of this is just nitpicking, Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the thing about, like, having a podcast, though, is we're going to discuss nitpicky things. Yeah, Um, but this was in, like, the bloopers section. Yeah. When Nancy and Jonathan are searching for the monster and speaking about a picture Jonathan took and Steve, Nancy tells Jonathan that Steve is not a bad guy. She says yesterday with the camera, referring to Steve breaking Jonathan's camera, but that didn't happen yesterday. That happened the day before yesterday. That's what I thought. When she said yesterday, I was like, there was no way that was yesterday. Yeah, no, that wasn't yesterday. It was the day before. Steve asks Nancy if she wants to go out and see the movie All the Right Moves, which came out in 1983. Earlier in the school... There is a sign about a battle of the bands to take place on Friday, November 28th. November 28th falls on a Monday in 1983. Interesting. Oops. When the boys and Elle are walking to try and find the gate, they walk along the railroad tracks in pairs in a scene very reminiscent of scenes from Stand, Stand By, By Me. Me. Stand By Me was based on The Body by Stephen King. King is a major influence on this series, which of course we know. Um, but also Dustin and Steve's um, train track stuff in season two is also reminiscent of that. This show pulls so much from Stand By Me and The Goonies. Mm -hmm. Um, The first episode to not have the main theme at the end credits. Oh, what's up with that? I don't know. I remember, like, figuring this out, and then I was like, ooh, I'm gonna pay attention when we get there. And then I forgot. Oh, okay. So cool. As the boys and Elle are walking down the railroad tracks, Dustin is wearing a sweatshirt that says, wow, wow, I literally have this shirt, and I don't know how to pronounce this, wow, Paca, Wisconsin on it. Okay. The main employer in Waupaca, Wisconsin, is an iron foundry that also has a plant in Etowah, Tennessee, another city previously mentioned in the very first episode. I love little specific Easter eggs like this. I don't know who the heck figures this out, but the, I think it's dope. The costume department and the props department, like, their attention to detail, you can tell when people really care about a show when there's little things like that. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about the teens. I would love to. Okay, great. Jonathan and... Jonathan and Nancy. Nancy! Jonathan and Nancy piece together where the monster has been, finding that they're all close together. Nancy is practicing swinging a bat. Classic. Why not? When Steve comes up, he apologizes for being insensitive about Barb and asks her to see a movie, which she declines. Jonathan is practicing shooting a gun, which he doesn't like doing because Lonnie forced him to kill a rabbit when he was 10 and made him feel really bad. Nancy is good at it, though, I guess. Nancy defends Steve to Jonathan. He's an edgy guy because he hates everyone. Ugh. At night, they come across a deer dying. Someone needs to put it out of its misery, and Jonathan says he will, but then it gets pulled into the upside down. Nancy finds the tree portal and goes inside. She sees the Demogorgon having a snack and runs away. The The portal closes up before she can get out. The Demogorgon's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm in the middle of a meal right now. This is so rude of you. How rude? Have you ever heard of a knocking? Don't watch me eat. Who do you think you are? Who does she think she is? Who do you think you are? 
So, um, gun in a graveyard. What? Gun in a graveyard. Okay. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The tastelessness really jumped out. Mm-hmm. Jonathan's like, hey, hey, hey. I I know what'll solve our problems. I know we're in the middle of a graveyard, but I have a gun. And I'm like, that's how people end up in graveyards. Mm-hmm. He's like, we're at a funeral, and it's just in his glove box. That I kind of buy because mm-hmm. it's America. True, it's America. It's the 80s, and Will had a gun in their like little shed thing. Exactly. So he probably just went out and got another one. I thought Jonathan was funny by being like, "Cool. Well, if we don't have a gun, then like, what do you want to do? You want to like go take another picture of it? You want to <laughs> yell at it? <laughs> What's our plan of attack here, sport? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I'm gonna bring this up in Good Guy Steve. Of course. Alert. Of course. But um, Steve goes out of his way to apologize and tries to cheer her up. Well, he should apologize. He should definitely apologize, but other people wouldn't. That's true. Um, so I think it's great that he like literally and and didn't even wait until like yeah, well I'll apologize to her tomorrow at school. Like, no, he, he literally went directly there. Yeah, he went out of his way to her house to say I'm very sorry. I felt bad. Um, so that he got in big trouble with his family. Like he said he was going to, but he was out of line and he wasn't seeing. He, he wasn't seeing the whole picture, and mm-hmm. he feels sad and bad about it. I think that's fantastic. I also think it's great. Did he actually say the words, I didn't see the whole picture? Uh, let me see what exactly what he said. That's, like, enlightened for him. Well, listen, I'm really sorry. I mean, even before you threatened me with the baseball bat, I panicked, and, I mean, I was a total dick. Did you get in trouble with your parents? Totally, but, you know, who cares? Screw them. And he knew about Barb. I think I got, I got that just from him being like, who cares? What are you doing? I mean, I was a total dick, totally, but you know, who cares? Screw them. And I mean, I guess that's it. Maybe I made that up. Yeah, I was like, what? That's so enlightened. <laughs> why do I feel like he said something like that? Because it sounds like, like Steve's whole apology was like, hey, sorry that I behaved in a manner that was not mature. And I'm like, go off, BB. Yeah. <laughs> you did a good job. This is a good apology. Yeah. And then he tries to cheer her up, but she says, and, and the other thing is that she says, no, I don't want to go to the movie. And he doesn't go, come on, what's wrong with you? Let's go to the movie. He's literally just like, okay. I mean, okay, again, this is like the bare minimum mm-hmm. for men, but. It's me- it's it's a teenage boy in the 80s. Yeah, they're, they're doing, they they clearly around here were like, uh, we gotta pull Steve back, mm-hmm. you know? And like, looking back, like what he does next, of course, is even worse. Yeah. So he fixes it, but eh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, parallel between Lonnie being garbage and telling a story about him being garbage. You were saying it was like Lonnie was being crappy, and then they cut to Jonathan talking about how crappy Lonnie is. Yeah, it was just like it really hammers home that Lonnie is not a good force in their lives, mm-hmm. and ever. we as an audience should not trust him. No, Nancy says that she doesn't think her parents ever loved each other. That's heartbreaking, and I think that's accurate. Yeah, like, she tells the story about, like, her mom being young and then just being like, yeah, Ted, he had a job, so they got a nice house and... It was as good as it was gonna get. Yeah, so she did it. And she doesn't think that her parents love each other, which is sad. I think she's right, and I think that also contributes to the whole Billy of everything, Mm. which makes me want to barf. Yeah. But, like, what's gonna happen to Ted? I wouldn't be surprised if Ted dies at some point. I would be interested in that... But I would be, but it's like, hasn't Mike been through enough? Yeah, good point. You know, doesn't seem like Mike has a great relationship with his father anyway, but still. Yeah. It's not like Ted is Lonnie. Yeah, he's just sort of absent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is it's like, what you want is a good dad. Mm -hmm. What you definitely don't want is a bad dad, but you will take basically no dad at all over a bad dad. Hondo. Would you say that's Oh no, 100%. Because that's the thing that everyone talks about, like, all the time whenever they find out that, like, 
my dad bounced like early. It's just like, would you have rather like him stuck around? Hell no. He was a bad dad. I would rather have an amazing mom and that's it. than two, two people who hate each other. Right. Like they would be so much better off not together. But I also don't want Karen to be with freaking Billy. No, that plotline needs to die like yesterday. So I'm so surprised that they kept it up. Like as from what we've seen in the season three trailer, I'm like, well, no bad. I'm kind of hoping that like it's a ruse and Billy just dies immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry about it. She says that she's never uh, used a gun, but then she, like, literally hits her target on her first ever shot. I think she just has really good hand-eye coordination. I guess so. Like, we stand. Nancy is, like... I mean, she's a Mary Sue, wouldn't you say? No. You wouldn't say that? Because I think the concept of Mary Sue is bull. Hmm. Like, people basically came up with, like, the phrase Mary Sue or a manic pixie... Because mm. women were, like, too good at things. Like, if they were a video game character, they'd be overpowered. Right. And it's like, that's insane. How, just because a woman is good at something, that makes her unrealistic? I'm not saying she's unrealistic. I'm just saying that it's like, I can't really, like, you know, she's not like other girls. She's smart, but she's also, like, one of the guys. Because she knows how to shoot a gun. And she's uh, so good at it. And she's so smart, you know? It's like, I think what is there? I think, for me, it shows um, complexity. Mm. Because... I mean, her best friend, like, it's not that she's not like other girls. Her best friend was Barb. Mm -hmm. So she's clearly fine with other women. Right. She's vulnerable. She's complicated. She's sometimes unlikable. Mm -hmm. It is a little unrealistic that she'd immediately be good at firing guns. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if I would describe her as a Mary Sue so much as, hey, this character has way too much talent for doing something the first time. Yeah. Okay. But like, if one of the boys did it, would you believe it? No. Okay. (laughs) She's bringing up again the fact that he was like, oh, I think when I take pictures of people, like, the, it says something. And she's like, cool. So you never said what I was saying. And he was like, he didn't He didn't say, I think you were saying. He said, you know what I saw? I saw a girl who was trying to be someone else and who blah, blah, blah. And, and when I took that picture, you thought you were all alone. I'm like, yeah, she thought she was all alone, but there was a creeper in the bush taking pictures of her. And she was a girl who had a goal and was achieving that goal and maybe just needed a quick second because she was a little nervous. Hmm. Like she was literally about to lose her virginity. Yeah. And Jonathan was like there trying to like place certain morals on her. And make like a narrative about her. Yeah. Where he's like, well, you didn't really want to do what you did with Steve. And she's like, yeah, actually I did want to do that. Yeah. I chose to do that. That's why I think Steve has way more respect for Nancy than Jonathan. I totally agree. And I... I don't think that Steve and Nancy are right for each other anyway, but I think, I definitely think that she was better off with Steve than she was with Jonathan. Interesting. Why do you think Steve and Nancy aren't right for each other? I don't know about season one, but I found in season two that like Nancy, I I don't think they're right for each other because Nancy seems to be hung up on Jonathan and doesn't care enough about Steve. Like Steve, especially when he was like, took her to the party and everything. And then I'm about to bring up the fact that Nancy uses the word bullshit in this because, because that was like her whole thing. Like when she got drunk and she was like yelling at Steve and telling him that their whole relationship was BS. Oh, right. And she would just say it over and over and over again. So she hurts him. And then he like tries to, I just, I just think maybe they could be okay together if she hadn't had this thing with Jonathan. Cause she clearly is hung up on Jonathan for like a full year while she is dating Steve. Which I do not get, but whatever. Which I don't get. And then another thing that bothers me is when he, like, says to Nancy, I know that I was a pretty garbage boyfriend, but I'm a pretty good babysitter. It's like, Steve, in what world do you think you're a bad boyfriend? When did he ever demonstrate that he was a bad boyfriend? Never. That's what bothers me about us. It's like, you're not a bad boyfriend. What are you talking about? 
Okay. And she, and she narrative says things to you because you need to communicate to the audience a certain thing. And I'm like, but you, you have to back this up with facts. Yeah. And Nancy doesn't say, no, Steve, you weren't a bad boyfriend. She just lets him talk. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested in his relationship with this new girl whose name is Robin. Um, wow. I wonder why. But I think, you know, even just seeing their dynamic in the trailer, I'm interested. Much more casual. Casual. I'd like to see where it goes. And yeah. Hope she doesn't get eaten. Hope she isn't uh, mean to him. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Oh, I was more hoping that she would, like, survive the season. Oh, yeah, me too. I think she will. You think? Yeah. All right. I'm gonna put that out into the universe. Okay. Um, oh, my next note was just, what is with this conversation? This whole conversation about Nancy being, like, trying to defend Steve, and then Jonathan being like, like, Nancy, you don't even have to defend Steve. If you want, if you want to date Steve, date Steve. You don't need to- You don't, you don't owe Jonathan an explanation. Jonathan- has no stake in your relationship. You don't have to convince Jonathan that Steve's an okay person for you to date him. But you date I mean, Steve if you want to date Steve. It says more about Nancy than it does about Jonathan because mm. in or it about more about Nancy than it does about Steve. Mm. Okay. Um because it's not that she wants Jonathan to like him, it's that she wants Jonathan to approve of the choices that she makes. Right. You know, because she cares about what Jonathan thinks. And Jonathan's never going to be like, "You're right." Steve's a great guy. Yeah. Date him. That's because, ne- he, because he wants her to date him. Exactly. That's never going to be something that Jonathan does. Yeah. But yeah, it's so weird. And then he's just like, okay, whatever. And it's like, it doesn't matter what Jonathan thinks. No, no, it doesn't. Ew. So I think it was last episode where I was like, where does all this blood come from? Because the guy like went inside the upside down and was like, it's covered in blood. And we were like, what? Yeah. what? Is this where it comes from? Like, I was kind of guessing like maybe he it drags animals in there. Oh, Duh. And that's why. So yeah. I think that's probably what it is. You're totally right. When he's going to shoot the deer, he says he's not nine anymore. But in the story, he said he was ten. So that was just like a script oops, I think. Okay. Whatever. Oh, you had brought this up. Um, Just call animal control. Yeah, they were like, oh, we gotta, we gotta kill this deer now. And I'm like, do you? Do you? I don't 100% know if that's your responsibility. What if you let a professional deal with that? Eh, who's to say? Like, that was such a weird choice where you're like, oh, this is on us now. Why? Is there an animal control in Hawkins? I mean, probably. They, they live in a rural area. There has to be animal control. Call Hopper. Yeah, legit. You know? Just be like, hey, we found a dead deer. And Hopper would be like, so? Just leave it there. And? Then you could justify like, oh, okay, we need to put it out of its misery. Yeah. Um. Don't go inside the tree portal, Nancy. Nancy, what why? What is wrong with you? Nancy, that tree portal was weirdly womb-like. Yeah, it sure was. It sure was. Uh, yeah, we were like, cool. I love a birth metaphor. Okay, legit, though, it was. Mm-hmm. And of course, it closes up before Nancy can get out. Jonathan, like, comes across all of her stuff, though. Does Jonathan think that Nancy fully died? I think it's possible. He's like, oh my god, it happened to Will, then it happened to Barb, and now it's like, I was literally with Nancy, and she's dead now. Yeah. Yikes. That's it. Anything else? Nope. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Robin. Do you know what Patreon is? No, I don't. Could you tell me? Sure. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate monthly to some of your favorite creators. And um, did you know that you can donate to the aficionados? Um, no, I didn't know that. Isn't that so cool? Yeah, that's really cool. I would love to donate to us. Yeah, the lowest one is only a dollar, which is like nothing. That's actually really cheap. That's such a bargain. Yeah, totally. And what you get from it is that you get early access. And especially on this one, because we um, upload every three weeks, Mm -hmm. which means that usually it's done quite a few days ahead of schedule. You're kidding. Yeah, so you get to listen to it um, whenever you want, really. It's pretty cool. That sounds great. Yeah, so if you become a Patreon sponsor, you can get that. 
Oh, okay. Well, um, I might do that. Okay, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaffectionados. Okay, thanks for telling me. You're welcome, and it's also in the description if um, you don't want to type that out. Oh, okay, okay. That's, that's helpful. Yeah, and if you can't donate for any reason, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. Oh, that does sound cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so now it's time for the kids' storyline. Now it's time for Brittany to go pee. The kids put together the concept of the Upside Down. At Will's funeral, the boys don't seem to care because they know that Will is alive. Meanwhile, the lab is going crazy trying to find Eleven. The boys ask Mr. Clark about parallel universes, and he explains it to them. They, in turn, tell Eleven about it. Dustin realizes that all the compasses are messed up. They should point them toward the gate instead of north. Mm. In flashbacks, Eleven remembers being forced to find someone in the weird bath thing. The kids walk on the train tracks and realize that Eleven is manipulating the compasses. Lucas confronts her about it, and she admits that it's not safe. Lucas thinks that Eleven is taking advantage of them. Eleven attacks Lucas because he's in a scuffle with Mike. She feels so bad that she runs away. Okay, so Eleven leading them around instead of telling them. I can understand why Lucas was so upset. Yeah. They wasted a whole afternoon where they could have been... Looking for Will yeah. in a different way. And instead of, like, voicing these things, she just lets them, like, wander around for no reason. Yeah. So I can see why... And I mean, she doesn't really know better. She thinks she's protecting them, but she doesn't understand that, like, other people are going to have reactions. Yeah. So I can understand why Lucas is so upset. I remember people having a really hard time liking Lucas after this. And yeah. I was like, he's a little kid and he's scared. I remember not liking, not, I mean, not to the point where some people got really freaking upset about it. I remember being like, Lucas, come on. Like the first time I watched it. Yeah. Um, watching it yesterday, though, I was just like, same. Yeah. I get it. I'd I be mad be too. I so frustrated. Yeah. Especially because he's the one who's been saying we should go to the police, we should tell people this whole time, and now every time that she does something else, where it's like, hello, we should be doing this. And she's praised for the same thing, the same ideas that he has. Yeah. But from her, like, everyone's like, oh, okay. And he's like, um, hello. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was there first. Yeah. So, the, I thought this moment was really dope at the beginning there, when they're, like, looking through the, the, um, veil of shadows, um, like, description mm-hmm. in Mike's little binder. Uh, which ends with, it is right next to you and you don't even see it. That is terrifying. It's so dope. It's dope, but it's like so scary to me. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked, I really liked that whole description and then them, you know, obviously there's like a montage over top of it. Of cool. It was, it was a good, very well done. Good little piece there. The dog, Mrs. Will, time to cry. The dog goes and sits in Castle Byers because he's sad and Mrs. Will. We don't deserve dogs. This, I, think this is, I feel like this is the last time we see the dog. That's possible. I think it is. Because I don't really remember much of the dog. Yeah. Jennifer Hayes cries at Will's funeral because, you know, terrible things happened. Yeah. She knew Will personally, but Dustin thinks, oh my God, we have to tell Will that Jennifer Hayes has a crush on him because she cried at his funeral. Which is nuts because like this girl's gone through like a trauma. Even if I didn't know somebody, put me in their funeral and I will cry. Yeah, of course you will. Like, I'm just, I'm You're just a, a crier. weepy person. Yeah. I am a crier. Yes. Like, textbook definition of a crier. I know. It's me. And you will cry at anything. At anything. Yeah. I listen to podcasts and I'll just cry. Yeah. I cried this morning. Why? Listening to the Dr. Seuss podcast. Oh my god. I cry every time. I mean, you just have a lot of empathy. I have a lot of feelings. Yes. Yeah. Um, I went to school for feelings. I'm sure you did. We literally, I really feel like we went through actual, like, mind... Like, our minds were conditioned to cry when we're sad. Probably. Or when we feel things. Yeah. Like, genuinely. We did, like, a lot of meditation. Oh. And I feel like, like, that was kind of, like, burned into me. I thought you meant, like, at school. Like, you meant, like, the human body was, like, like, supposed to cry when sad. I was like, yeah, duh. 
No, I mean, like, when I went to school. Yeah. I, I understand now. Yeah. yeah. Also, imagine going to school and getting to do meditation. Dope. <laughs> yeah. We did a lot of lying on the ground and listening and then crying. I would have done lie on the ground, fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. We're... Actually, that happened a lot and it was fine. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just hear people snoring. And then Tom, Tom, who is my instructor, would be like, I mean, afterwards, we'd be like, what did you think? Like, what kind of like experiences did you have? Like, what did you feel? Blah, 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 blah. And if somebody was like, I fell asleep, Tom would be like, that's what you needed. I love Tom. I stand this. Yeah. Really, so yeah, people would fall asleep. you be like, I needed a nap. I mean, it would kind of bring you up when you like heard other people snoring, but it was fine. But it also like is indicative of like, if your mental state is, I feel safe, I'm okay with this situation, mm-hmm. then that exercise wasn't for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the principal or whatever was like showing the radio to like that guy. And he said that the less athletic types really like this stuff. Kay. He says, I thought that was so funny to the less athletic type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, I looked at the principal and I'm like, are you not also one of the less athletic types? Cause yeah. you don't look like you were a jock. Yeah. And you're a like middle school principal. So what's up? So like the career you took in life was probably um very similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once again, the, no, they're not like nobody is like really upset at this funeral. Like they were so worried about like going to school and being like, oh, we are so sad. But they get to the funeral and they're just like, ha ha, lol. Oh, these aren't real Manila wafers. Yeah. No. And no one's like questioning it. They're like, why are your kids so heartless? And they're like, I don't know. They're just a little asshole. Like they're that's literally the kid who died's best friends. I mean, I guess you could just be like, cool, they're in shock, I guess. Yeah, they're in denial. Yeah. Which you can see very easily because everyone reacts to grief. I react to grief weird. Mm. So. Um, I know that we've already in see, episode one mm-hmm. talked about Mr. Clark and how people were like, Mr. Clark is the greatest character of all time. Mr. Clark is the savior of Stranger Things, blah, blah, blah. But I think there really is something good to say about Mr. Clark this episode. No, I agree. Yeah, he... I, my favorite part about it is that he knows the Veil of Shadows, like, immediately. Yeah. So, like, Mr. Clark has played D&D, and he knows about the Veil of Shadows, right? Kind of. So they're like, you know, like, the Veil of Shadows, he's like, oh, yeah, 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 the Dark Brown Boo, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Which is really cute. But, like, he's... I mean, obviously, he's just being a really good person and a good teacher, but, like, he's off the clock right now. Yeah. He doesn't have to talk to these kids about this. He's probably going through his own grieving process and and decides to help them along in their grieving process. And, I mean, he probably knows um, that different kids deal with things differently. So, he's like, well, if these kids want to talk about D&D as opposed to anything else... I'm going to do this for them because I think that's what they think they need. Yeah. I think that's cool. I think that's a really good role model for them to have. Yeah. Was Mr. Clark in the season three trailer? It's summer, right? So it's like, yeah, I have a reason to. I'd like to see him though. Okay. At some point during the season, even if it's just like one scene, he's like at the mall at some point and they're like, what? Teachers outside of school? Or whatever, you know, just for like a hot sec. Yeah. Eleven doesn't know where the gate is. She says. Me either. I don't. I feel like she doesn't. No, I don't think she does. Like, she might know, she might get a feeling as to, like, kind of where it is, but I don't think she knows exactly where it is. And she only ever went to, like, that dark place. Yeah. Um, so this compass thing happened in Lost as well, mm-hmm. um, in which a big electromagnetic force changes where Magnetic North is. It, like, basically, like, word for word even happens. Like, Saeed yeah. in Lost is like, where do you think North is? That, that would be correct, but... The compass says it's over here. What could do that? Blah, blah, blah. And then you got to figure it out later. But basically the same thing happened. We're in flashback with Eleven. She's doing the weird bath thing, which we know about. It's like a, what what are those called? Where they put you in there and it has so much salt that you just float. Oh, like a, a, 
Yeah, what are those called? Like a desensitization chamber or something? I Something like that. I feel like it has an actual name. I'm sure it does. But I don't remember what it is. Yeah, I fully don't know what it is. Either way, that's like the sort of bath thing that she's in. And Brenner is basically like, you have to find this guy. Is that okay? As if she has a choice. as if she gets to consent to any of this. Yeah, like, if she had said no, then what would you have done? Exactly. You would have been like, well, you're doing it anyway, you know? So... He would have just bullied her into doing it. Yeah. Lucas knew that it was 11. Mike is in denial. Yeah. Mike is literally like, she would never do that. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, sorry, you've known her for three days. I think when Lucas said you're just excited that a girl doesn't think you're gross, he was probably kind of right. Yeah, it's true. Like, I know that he also believes that, like, 11 really does know where Will is, and I think that's really sweet and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think Lucas kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah. Um, I really feel like Lucas sees things really clearly. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. No, he doesn't. And he should. Because everyone's always obsessed with, like, Dustin. I mean, for good reason. Yeah. Dustin and Will and Mike and everybody. And I'm like, but Lucas is the logical one. And he's right there. And I mean, we'll talk about this when we get to season two. But putting Max with Dustin would have been so easy. Yeah. And I applaud the choice of putting her with Lucas. Yeah, it's I agree. so much more interesting. Yep. Not that we need to ship these children anyway, but if we had to, I think putting her with Lucas is a more interesting, more nuanced choice. I agree. And I really appreciated it. Thanks. Thank you. Um, Eleven says that she's trying to protect them, of course. Um, and Lucas says things like, maybe she's the monster. Okay, so he basically just said all of the things that she's most afraid of hearing. Right, and so, like, you know, he hits the nail on the head a lot, and he really, you know, like I said, he sees things clearly, and he speaks his mind, and he gets a lot of things right, but then he starts getting in his own head, I think, and yeah. starts just saying things that he knows will be incendiary, Yeah, and knows will hurt people. Yeah, his honesty is a double-edged sword. Which is... A thing that kids do. Yeah. I know I did that. Oh, for sure. You just say things that's gonna, that you know, gonna hurt people. Yeah, you're like, I, I don't have enough emotional control or maturity to know that I shouldn't say this. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she, she attacks him, not necessarily like attacking, mostly she's pushing him away from Mike and then she does it a little too hard, I yeah. think. Yeah. But of course, that makes her feel like she's back to her old ways of like hurting people she cares about. Because ultimately, I think she does care about Lucas. Even if she doesn't, she cares about what Lucas thinks of her. And she also, because she knows that Mike cares about Lucas, even though they're fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, she doesn't want them to hurt them, hurt each other. Exactly. Okay, yeah. So back in flashbacks, she is finding, like, this guy who's speaking in, like, Russian or something. Like, he asks her to find somebody. And then, like, when she's in, like, her upside down, like, special black room place, he's there. And I think he's speaking Russian. And my note was just, what's the Russian guy saying? I think he must be a KGB agent, right? Yeah, or something government-y. Yeah. I wonder if it says anywhere. Russian guy, English subtitle. Oh, hell yeah. This is what I wanted. Great. There are rumors that Americans have exposed few of our spies on American soil. We are checking it. Perhaps it was intentional disinformation in order to shift our focus from more important things. Contact a bunch of Russian names. Mm -hmm. Find out who made contact made a contact with them. And if someone didn't report it to me immediately, actually, no, bring Sergei to me right away. He was on duty when this information rumors appeared first. So nothing that means anything to us. Yeah. I need to know where the, where rumors came from. If this is not disinformation, but I am fairly certain. I don't want to think about the consequences. Go now. What are you waiting for? Hurry up. I need to know where rumors came from. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, spy language. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which which we kind of thought exactly what it was. So yeah. great. Does Eleven know where Will is? Yes, I think she she knows he's in the Upside Down. I think that she he, definitely knows that she has a way to find him. Exactly, she knows how to find him. She may not know where in the Upside Down he is. Yeah, she legit knocked Lucas out. Yeah. Like, she literally, like, knocked him out. I'm like, um, did he go to the doctor after? Because I'm actually kind of worried about him. I bet he didn't. Yeah, probably not. Because how do you explain, yeah, um, a girl, like, threw me into a bus? You know? You know? Classic. Yeah. (laughs) Just another day being a kid. Yeah. But, like, like I said before, I don't think it was she intentionally really hurt him that hard. I think she just kind of wanted to push him out of the way, and then it ended up being a little harder than I thought she, than she wanted. Oh, for sure. Is it time for segments? Yes. We're going quick this episode. I'm proud of us. Um, so my segment is called Good Guy Steve Alert. Um, Steve goes out of his way to apologize to Nancy and try and cheer her up, um, when sad things are happening to her. Good guy, good guy Steve Alert! Good guy Steve! Mm-hmm. And, do I even have one? Yeah, you have which MILF is the most badass, I think. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if I did. Okay, so which MILF is the most badass permanently goes to Joyce. M- almost always. Almost always. Almost always Joyce. Yep. Um, and our best line award, mine goes to Dustin for... Man, these aren't real little wafers. And mine goes to Lucas and Dustin for... But how do we get there? We cast Shadow Walk. In real life, dummy. In real life, dummy! (laughs) That's so funny to me. In real life, because that's the exact conversation I would have with someone. Yeah. And I would be the one being like, being like, oh, we cast Shadow Walk. Obviously. Well, like, Dustin is like, I don't know the answer to in real life, but I do know the answer to in the in the game. It's like that one bit from John Mulaney where he's like, I don't know anything about cars. Can I interest you in some facts about the Cosby show? Yeah. yeah like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. This ep was quick, but it's because we don't have Tudor Boot and we don't have a trailer reaction and... What else don't we do? Uh, not a lot actually happened in this episode either. That's true. It's very much a filler episode. But I feel like we got to talk about a lot of important things. So I'm pretty pleased with it. Uh, so thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, if you are so inclined, please write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's in the description. It's just perpetually open. We'd love to hear some things that you like about the podcast and some things that you don't like about the podcast so we know what to change. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too, as well as The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So we covered seasons one, two, and we're in the middle of three of Riverdale and season one of Chaos. I feel like... Yeah, three is like almost done. Yeah, so for real. That's really exciting. Yeah. Um, get into it. We have a couple people who just fully just listen to our Riverdale podcast without having seen the show at all, which and, is my favorite thing. Which and they just like learn what happens by listening to the podcast, which I think is so funny and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I want to talk to those people. Same. I want to hear more about that. What is the? Why did you choose to do that? Why did you choose to do that? Who are your favorite characters? Are your favorite characters just our favorite characters because we talk about them in uh, good light? You know. Um. But our favorite characters are the best characters, so I respect that. If you're a fan of the hundred, we like to talk about that show too. Um. We did season four and season five, and season six is like about to happen. Like by the time that the next episode goes out, season six will have started. Tis imminent. Yikes. Mm I'm just thinking about when that is. Mm. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show, too. We covered season one, and we're in the middle of season two right now. Yes. Season two, the other half of season two is coming out uh, at the beginning of May, and it will happen once a month. Cool. Yeah. 
You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. I do work really hard on our Tumblr though, so please support me. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash the Aficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because uh, this is expensive. So expensive. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Abertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. The next episode is episode 106, which is called The Monster. I wonder what that's about. I bet it's about a monster. I bet. I don't know. Mm, sounds crazy. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you, bye.